first of all uh, i'm happy that the conference is resumed but i don't like to call it a conference but a yagya so yagyas whenever they were conducted we read the stories of how the uh, asuras and rakshasas tried to obstruct it so this time it was the corona asura but uh, there is the karuna which took care of everything and yet the yagya continued in our hearts in in the subtle spaces etheric spaces through digital mediums and now we are again conducting it on earth which is something so beautiful uh, the subject is crisis is is that right a crisis something to do with crisis and it's so difficult to speak of crisis while being here because if i lie down in my room on the bed i feel i am on sheshnag with lord vishnu it is so wide and one can't think of crisis it's so beautiful and when i come here the cold makes me feel that i am in mount kailash with lord shiva again no chance of crisis <laughs> and when i look at everybody it's like gop and gopis of shri krishna full of bhakti no crisis and if i look at their wonderful presence and all of us here i feel i am in the ashram so no crisis again uh if only we could maintain create this atmosphere around us the mother says that create your own atmosphere and if we could live and dwell in that atmosphere even if crisis comes it will be like a what shall i say you you are passing through it and going unscathed this is a very beautiful line in the mother that's how it starts yes living through crisis i think that's the subject Uh, so there is a very beautiful line chapter 3 of uh, the mother where shubhendra reminds us to walk through life we are not supposed to escape from life we are not supposed to ignorantly meet it and suffer and you know ignorantly so to walk through life armored against all fear peril and disaster Shubhendra is a spiritual realist. He is not saying all this is Maya. At least the way it is understood, all this is illusion. He is saying that yes, there is peril, there is disaster. So to walk through life armored against all fear, peril, and disaster, only two things are needed. It's so amazing. We don't need all this which we carry all stuff around us. Only two things are needed. two that go always together they are actually one thing which appears as two the grace of the divine mother and on our side and on your side a faith an inner state made up of faith sincerity and surrender so people often ask that why if grace is already there everywhere with everyone why do we need faith sincerity and surrender one reason that we are not mechanical automatons and he doesn't want us to be mechanical automatons and there is no joy in being mechanical automatons the machine does not participate in the joy that the creator of the machine takes so we co-share his divinity and must participate and partake of the delight the beautiful poem of shirbindo ahana where he says um I have a chain for him taken for Krishna. 
says that you are calling the delight but uh, you are not ready but I can bring dawn, ana. She says I can bring him along and then we can share in the ras and the ecstasy after. So the divine doesn't want us to treat like automatons. It's not a good thing to be treated like that. He will do everything and I will do nothing. But when we have an inner state, not even an outer, nothing outer is required. Wherever we are, we may be in front of the divine when Krishna came to Duryodhana and showed his Vishrup. Duryodhana says, look here, he is the magician. Catch him. Put him in the jail. Because his inner state was different. It was full of doubt, arrogance, ego. And Krishna manifests the same Vishrup. Of course, the divine never recreates the same thing next moment. So it's a little different. <laughs> so It's much more majestic before Arjuna. Then he simply says that, well, Anek Adhud Darshanam, I am seeing marvelous, wonderful visions all around. At the same time, I see massive destruction. Who are you? And he says, I am time the destroyer. On this battlefield, I have come as time the destroyer. Though inwardly, I am all that is, the eternal womb of all things. So, there is, on this plane, we experience not that beautiful atmosphere which we see in Savitri when Narad comes. So, Narad is coming from the celestial worlds where all is beautiful, he is singing of joy and he is singing of light, he is singing of all the beautiful things. But as he touches what is called in Indian thought as Martilog, the world of the mortals. So the moment he touches, there is a deep pathos which is seen, felt in his voice. But then what does he sing? He doesn't sing that, oh, life is useless, horrible, unreal. He doesn't say that. There is a deep pathos in his voice and he sings of the Vishnu's name and his births. There is something which we find here which we don't find anywhere else. The touch of the divine in matter. Nowhere else. God's why us for this reason. In mothers, those days when she would give a meditation and there would be a group of disciples, some to the right, some to the left, some to the center and there is a very beautiful aside to why this arrangement was made. And... Um, at that point of time, the gods would come. She would describe and there's very beautiful little stories about it. The gods would come. What is this new Leela? What is the Divine Mother trying now? <laughs> so they would come and sit on the ledge. It's still there. You can go to Ashram and see that. I mean the gods, I don't know whether they are there or not. <laughs> uh, but that place is there, sanctified. Uh, of course, blessed by her and the gods. And they would uh, watch with great intent, what is this new thing going on? And while the gods were watching, that this new Leela which is going to emerge and unfold, what was happening in the outer world? In the outer world, there were the two great wars taking place. See, strange. Krishna comes, his Vrindavan style is everybody likes. Ah, all Garbaras is wonderful, you know. Krishna, Radha, all dancing. <laughs> this is, as far as I know, only one temple dedicated to Chakradhari Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. And yet, without that battle, can life ever advance? So we have, there are two options there. One is, 
be with Krishna in the center, see Krishna in everyone, the divine. The divine is in the center, the divine is the circumference, the divine is in everyone. Then you have the eternal dance and one moves so beautifully up the scale. One doesn't even know what's happening around. See, that story of Krishna in the Vrindavan is the story of the soul growing in such a rapturous way, surrounded by the divine, that all the demands that this fellow sets, what was his name, Messrs. Consigned Company, they, they, the people don't even get to know that where they came and went away. The mother says, you know, that you people think when grace has, uh, you know, done something, um, good, you observe it, but so many times, so many things, they could, they come and don't touch us and go and we don't even notice. You're just surrounded. So two things that go always together. An inner state of faith, sincerity and surrender opens us to the divine protection, divine grace and most of which the ecstatic um, joyous, glad, turning to the divine with love. Then there is that beautiful bond we see in Vrindavan. But not all are ready for it. So there is Mahabharata. Most of us have to move through the battlefield of life where crisis is a way of life. And the greater the crisis, <laughs> sounds strange, <laughs> the greater the leap that is being prepared by nature. If life is running too smoothly, all mechanical, everything is goody-goody, then we shouldn't doubt it's a beautiful state to be in. But time to time it's good to tell the divine, is everything okay? <laughs> Not that this is a way to move. Shobindo and Mother want us to move through the sunlit path. But it's equally true how many times many of us have experienced, I'm sure, that the sadhana reaches a point and it's like going on and gone. It's a beautiful state, but that beautiful state itself can lock us. It's so lovely. It's a beautiful psychic state. You know, if you read Savitri in the book of yoga, Savitri has entered that state. She has realized the soul and all the seven centers have blossomed and she is with Satyavan and she knows it doesn't matter. Life and death mean nothing. And all that she does from the broom, the well, the jar and everything, her speech, her silence, everything is an outflowing of this psychic life and it's so beautiful. But then there is a greater work to be done. It's not enough that we individually realize this beautiful state. And then we see that something from the abyss comes up and exhorts Savitri that you think that you have entered a very wonderful state that there is something like a separate soul and it's Shubhita describes it's like a voice that drags its prey toward the abyss and then after the voice of night there is the voice of light Chase, chasing away the night so here where we are we are emerging from the Nescience, inconscient state. And we are emerging towards the beatific, superconscient state. This is our journey. And all the time within every heart, no exception, there is the wrestle between this past from which we are emerging and the future towards we are moving. When the past drags us back, 
there is suffering there is unconsciousness there is pain because we want to cling to something which has been slain that's why it is past that's why i use the word ghost <laughs> ghost <laughs> ghost is used for both things past in hindi there is a very simple word bhuto <laughs> of course bhut is about eh? elemental beings that which is past so past calls us from behind and we want to keep looking back we feel attached but it's gone so there is distress there is suffering there is pain whereas our face is supposedly supposed to be turned toward the future human beings are built like that even our body we are supposed to look toward the future we if we have to look behind we have to really actually truly if we have to look behind we have to turn behind there is no other perfect way of doing it animals have their eyes set on the sides we are supposed to look toward the future we stand direct we can look upward this is our journey to move toward the future and there is a tremendous impulsion in in swami vivekananda's lecture in 1893 in chicago one of the things which he beautifully mentions he says what is vedanta vedanta is you know we often give all these uh, similes of wave and the ocean but whether we look at it as the wave and the ocean or the river and the ocean but the ocean is moving constantly with a tremendous momentum towards a grand disclosure we don't know what that is the vedantic idea of evolution only thing is that vedantic idea of evolution is about the soul and shubindu says what about nature what about the impulsion that is also moving towards a grand grand um, you know it's not just liberation of soul and the soul evolves it's also nature which grows as something in us grows nature grows and as nature grows it facilitates the journey of the soul the two are together so on one side there is this past drawing us and there is this future attracting us and we are caught in the present moment and we experience conflict all the time there is this conflict children when they grow up we take one step in front there is another behind to move or not to move <laughs> so if you stay static equestrian position it's not a good thing move forward that's the way of life that's what we learn so this conflict which goes on at many levels within our heart in the world consciousness all the time is actually an invitation to change but between the conflict and the change there comes what we call as crisis so there is the conflict there is crisis and there is the change why because we don't uh, most of the conflicts we shelve it we don't want to see arjuna didn't want to see that one day his whole idea of dharma ethics and everything is going to collapse all his ideas that we should be non violent never raise a sword if somebody slaps you on the left side put the right all this he has grown up in all those fed with this staple diet of uh, unreality they are unreal i am unreal but one day he has to face this reality that this world is real <laughs> one of the most powerful statements there in shobindo upanishads shri arvind upanishad um, again shobindo didn't give it the name as shri arvind upanishad but uh, well rightly so in a way everything that shobindo has written is 
but it's written in Sanskrit. He says the world is real. But he starts with that. Brahma Satyam Namithya Jagat Satyam Namithya Brahman, the one reality, the divine is real. Of course, we understand that. But what is this world? World is real. Why it is real? Even if it is a dream, it is dreamed by the divine. It's an expression of the divine. We can't cut it off from the divine. We can't say, oh, now you have expressed, forget about it. This is the mistake that we have been doing all our life. Whether we use in the western context the word reductionism, give unto Caesar what is due to Caesar, (laughs) or different ways, give to the devil what is due to the devil. Or in Indian context, by Mayavad, the way it is understood, I am not going into the dynamics of the word and what it really means, but the way it is understood today. This world is Maya, so we left it to the field of the inconscient and hence the world advances through so many crises. It's not needed. Actually it's not needed. None of this is needed. If you really go to the bottom of it, why this happens? There are several reasons. The inconscient is there, but there is a very simple psychological reason. And that simple psychological reason is, I mean, being a psychologist, psychiatrist, I look at it, (laughs) how I can help people. Simple psychological reason is man's belief in the supremacy of his intellect. It may sound absurd, but yes, it's not a good word to say we are on the apex of the food chain, as if the chain is only about food. But surely we are on the apex of the evolutionary change as of now. And much as the gorilla and the chimp may have thought before the coming of man that I am the best, mightiest, strongest. Nobody messes with a gorilla, not even a lion. There is something about him that they stay away. Poor fellow is a vegetarian. (laughs) But the other predators stay away. There is something about a gorilla which they don't understand. But then when man comes, he becomes... The, the dwarf gorilla. So he, he believes now I am the apex. So everything that is in me is the highest, topmost. This leads to a kind of arrogance. And we go through a long process before we can understand the enormity, the vastness of the wonderful grace that always broods upon earth. Ready to act. There is a very beautiful short little sentence of the mother. This wonderful grace ready to help man. If only man could seek it, ask for it. Even then it comes. See this wonderful line we read in Savitri that gives us the wonderful solution. The original solution. As a bird flies, hunted, Escaping from a world of storms as a bird would fly with tired wings. Escaping with tired wings from a world of storms in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose. One could drink life back in streams of honey fire. Recover the lost habit of happiness. People often ask, what miracles happen in Pondicherry Ashram? 
expecting that you go and ask for a house and house manifests you ask for gold and gold manifests but people are wiser huh? they have grown wiser with the story of mitha's touch so they understand what to ask <laughs> so there was a lady called gyanban once a group of people went to her and asked her aap sadhana kaise karte hain how do you do yoga everybody wants to know what is the way of doing yoga Shubhendra said the key is the mother but she put it very nicely he says we don't do yoga she does the yoga so what do you do every time we have trouble we go to the samadhi <laughs> and when we come away from here magically our troubles have gone away you know that is the power of yoga there's the power of the divine consciousness i'll tell you a real story someone told me this of course the divine mother but i'm sharing a story about nalnida is the one who has been with shirbindo right from the revolutionary days and there was a person who was going through a severe crisis emotional crisis and pain and he uh, this is a first hand story so this person uh, whatever is called second hand it's not my story but well he he told so <laughs> it doesn't matter so he goes and tells him i am going through this that for two months he was struggling with all this like a formation it's what's clutching him you know what happens when you go to a doctor sorry to say sometimes you come back with a formation that doesn't leave you after that you are labeled carry a card i am a diabetic i am a hypertensive you forget your true identity <laughs> so he was struggling and suffering so he uh, finally went to nalnida and said you know i am having lot of problems lot of pain this that and nalnida looked nonchalantly he said okay come tomorrow write it all and come to me so that night was a very special night he wrote 34 35 pages of letter i have also done that and realized how simple it was <laughs> so he also wrote but not with nalida directly to mother you can write to mother very few people know perhaps you can write in your diary and write and even send the letters write every month every day whenever you feel like i'm talking of simple solution not complicated crisis because of this that let's come to the original mystery so uh, he went next day with this 34 pages letter with great expectations and nalida suddenly yes he has forgotten what was he says you told me to write ah okay leave it here so he left the letter he took out a blessing packet gave him and said go and now he is wondering he has not even read my letter how is this uh, going to help me he turned behind as he crossed the threshold of his room everything was gone everything vanished never to return so many people you have used to have this experience they would write to shurbindo before the letter has reached and everything is gone i think brother narad was mentioning about my friend chutnarayan ji such a wonderful person he was going through such a crisis and he won't understand what's this all going on so in that state of crisis he goes to a kali temple nearby and he goes there and he is rolling this way that way what to do and parents are worried that you know he is going to have his exams what is he going to do suddenly he hears a voice he had this uh, ability for clear audience and subtle visions and he hears a voice right to the mother of pondicherry so he had known little bit about shirobindo 
and so he says oh no it was right to the mother so he he comes out and he says there is only one master these days who will talk to in english such a good english it is shorbindo so he surmised it is about shorbindo ashram mother and he started writing the letter and as he started writing the letter all the time he would see a rose flower in front of him and throughout he wrote the letter sent it 15 days it has taken to read the letter all the time he entered into a beautiful peaceful state and would see this rose and when it reaches the mother see the telegram comes the mother says come to pondicherry see sometimes life can be too simple but it's too simple to believe because we believe our mind believes life is very complicated it should be complicated so we have very different process try to understand crisis the books i have seen written on crisis <laughs> after reading which i mean i had to go through it as a psychiatrist after reading to which i felt <laughs> if at all there is clarity it will end up in confusion <laughs> right up to the pathways in the brain this pathway that pathway the reward pathway the punishment pathway everything is mapped out but the one is lost who created all these pathways who has become all these pathways nevertheless when crisis comes it's real but at the bottom the conflict is invariably you see as psychiatrists we are supposed to analyze the conflict i'm i'm letting off the secret i simply call her grace <laughs> because there is only one conflict there are no 2 3 4 5 100 conflicts we may say it's a conflict between me and my wife and wife and my husband never intervene because they will fight and become friends again but you will become enemy of both so <laughs> never intervene <laughs> when they come and share you know she fights so much and if you take sides after 6 months you had it both will say this was the fellow <laughs> there's a joy in that no that uh, some of some some people like you know that life should be i, I don't subscribe to it but somehow so original conflict is always between a retrogressive movement and a forward progressive movement there is no second conflict all other conflicts can be resolved into this and indian thought went even as far as to tell us what is behind the retrograde movement what is behind the progressive movement how to understand the two because sometimes if you are ignorant then like daksha prajapati story i have told so many times that i don't want to repeat it that sometime when you feel you are moving forward you are actually moving backward you know the goat's head is fixed on daksha prajapati because the surgeons made a blunder it was no blunder though because shiva decided this fellow's rule is over <laughs> so the head is fixed transfixed behind so he thinks he is moving forward but he is moving backward so how to know what are these forces that act to pull us backward and in the indian story you have the ancient story devasur the fight between the titans and the gods whether we believe titans and gods exist or not we do believe that there are psychological states within us states when we feel so low depressed low on energy full of fear full of sense of hopelessness worthlessness 
Oh, it's beautifully described. They can be so overpowering. It's called in yoga as the adverse asuric maya. What does the asuric maya do? Oh, divine is far. Does the mother really listen to me? She is far. My God, she is nearer than ourself, incidentally. But this asuric maya will come and say, she is very, very far. Then you say, but yeah, what can she do? She is no more there. That is the other interesting thing which I hear. Sometimes I have asked to audience when they say, but sure, Binda and the mother are not there. So I ask them, okay, those who believe Krishna is dead, raise your hands. So everybody remains quiet. <laughs> Krishna is not to be afraid. You can raise your hand. There is no problem. <laughs> but touch your heart and say, God doesn't die. Anyone who has realized identity with the divine doesn't die. That's why he is a master. In fact, none of us die. But we pass through a state which we call as death. That's our ignorance. We pass through a state that we call as death. So this um, entire thing, because these forces are there active all the time and they make us believe that divine doesn't exist. Even if one has beautiful experiences, suddenly these forces will suggest. Have you ever experienced these suggestions? We think that is mine because we catch them. And we say, you know, that experience you talk about, you know, I have read the latest journal, New England Journal of Medicine. It is hallucination. You need pills. So, it happens. We get delirious when, the, uh, when there is fever. Yeah, that's the mechanism, the how, not the inner truth. There are people who get delirious and they start speaking of wonderful things. So, these suggestions, they will come very gently. And one should be so vigilant to understand, catch them before they come. The mother gives the story of the gambler of Monte Carlo. And he gets the suggestion, put it, put your money on this particular, I don't know what they do in gambling, maybe this number or whatever number, or this card, God knows what. So he would do and he would succeed, like Hitler. Attack there. So success is no criteria that God is with us. One thing we must know. He doesn't care about success or failure. He cares about only one thing. It's his manifestation. If we were to judge events and circumstances by apparent success, let me put it like that. Because many apparent successes are soul's failures. They are the great tragedies of life which go undocumented. And many apparent failures are the shining upward passages of the soul. Look at Surdas, blind from birth. Read his poems. It's such a wonder. And look at the life of not all successful people. Some are very fortunate and blessed like Hasubhai. <laughs> but there are others who just couldn't have that inside. It, it got into the, again, mental arrogance. It's all because of me. So the way the divine works is something very strange. He uses everything for a progress. That's what he's bothered about. And when we don't listen, then these forces, so this gambler is putting and he's succeeding, succeeding, he's winning, winning, winning. And then a time comes when these forces suggest him, put everything on stake. The only place where everything should be, can be and must be put at stake is the divine. 
no other, no human being, nothing else. That's the safety. Because then it is secured in Divine Development Bank, Private Cosmic Limited. He'll come back with a huge, you know. And yet this fellow put everything at stake, thinking that now he's going to make the jackpot. And he lost everything. Because they are having fun. So next suggestion was, shoot yourself. And he took the gun and shot. By then he was so much in their grip. We don't even realize how this whispers the footfalls of darkness. They come and they take us very far from the intended plan, the great current which is carrying us upward towards a grand disclosure of the divine within us. What can be more beautiful than arriving at our own great fulfillment? So, these are the forces which hold us back, tie us back. That is the struggle mother speaks about the old world and the new world. So, the old world where you recognize the sense of the divine, if you create a gulf between spirit and matter, when people come and say, look here, this is all maya, there is a hundi box where you have to give your maya back to this maya. Ah, kitna acha bola. Every day wake up, touch the feet of mama and papa. Oh, so wonderful. All parents will naturally like it. But if you say, follow the command of the divine, that's Krishna. Nay, nay, someone bully. Tell us simple things. What can be more simple than following the divine? You don't have to have hundred do's and don'ts in your head, but one single, and then whole life can be simply an effort towards receiving grace and receiving this command, developing the courage to follow and moving straight upon the sunlit path. Life can be so simple and beautiful. So these are forces that suggest that pull us back to the old world. But there is the future, much more powerful. In all traditional theories of karma, this was there were two big, three big loopholes that I felt. One is God as a judge, sitting with a carrot and stick in his hand. I say, God is this, is no better than a CEO. Worse than that, because even CEOs nowadays don't, they are compassionate, they understand that, okay, not reward and punishment. Yet people swallow all these ideas about God. The second is all about your karma, your karma, your karma, as if we are disconnected with the entire universe. Can any person live in isolation with the world? If I assume a body and the body suffers, it's not just because of my karma, it's because matter is imperfect. It is something so evident. That's why even the gods suffer when they take a human body, because matter is imperfect. At some point, even the great beings, when they take a human body, to die, it's not because they did some bad karma, it's matter. So, our life is connected with the entire creation. Karmic theories don't talk about it at all, as if it's all your individual journey. And egoism, even in the theory of karma, it's all that you transacted. And the third biggest drawback is I am saying this because people often explain crisis you did some karma that is rubbing salt over injury, you are. You know, you were hit by a truck. Your bad karma. The fellow can go scot-free, you know. (laughs) Because your bad karma. And the third biggest thing is it talks only and only of the past, not about the future. 
where is karma going to lead us karma is a mechanism of evolution all life is about learning and growth including the law of karma the law of karma is a means to help us grow to grow in consciousness to grow in wisdom to grow in strength to grow in force what would be a life without challenges and so called errors so i often say you know the only child which never falls is a paralyzed child that's not the perfection we strive for one falls one gets up one learns one is hurt this is life it's law of karma is implicit in life we fall because why we didn't know how to walk we were not strong enough we fell we got injured but then there is the divine mother who is all the time always we see these two things come together always so yesterday or day before yesterday night i had that uh, okay very good food <laughs> but we have the divine mother's grace coming as geeta ji who made sure that i have some theplas in my room and morning i was feeling very quite cold and suddenly vladimir passed by as an angel and says why don't you take this jacket i said see grace walks hand in hand <laughs> with the challenge look at the challenge one will not be able to see the grace look at the crisis this is the whole purpose of crisis is to distract us to put a very dark picture there is a very beautiful little line i read from ramcharit manas tulsidas i see in hindi then translate in english often we are hypnotized by our defects we are unfit we are no good this that so he says um ram so swami ko sevak moso what a lord you are if i look at you there is hope for everybody and if i look at myself i feel hopeless <laughs> so when a crisis comes look toward the change when there is night look toward the new dawn when there is danger and difficulty look towards grace when there is fear cultivate faith because there is never a state when the divine ever leaves us this that beautiful magical line in shubhendra's poem who when darkness was dense and wrapped within darkness and covered with darkness let me read those four lines it is he in the sun who is ageless and deathless that we know that we keep speaking but shubhendra completes the other picture it is he in the sun who is ageless and deathless and into the midnight his shadow is thrown when darkness was dense and covered with darkness he was seated within it immense and alone and that is beautifully described in savitri journey into the eternal night there comes a time when uh, nothing not even hope it's a beautiful description and then what savitri lights up she just kindles hope and death is terrified what is this who can light up this lamp kindling hope that's all that is required to chase away that fellow and what is the basis of hope death as savitri what is the basis you are talking all these big things wonderful things sometime people ask me what is this about you know supramental all this how can you say so simple answer is because sure binda says so <laughs> what do you mean i say okay you want a more complicated answer i say you can take one of the two approaches in life one that this world is a manifestation of god 
whether he created it is in it or whatever way you want to put it that's philosophical dialectics or it's in mechanical random chance unfolding the least likely probable thing if it's a mechanical chance unfolding and what you and me are saying is a babel of neurons then this discussion stops it's pointless and meaningless but if there is a greater consciousness which is behind creation within it as the great yogis and seers say and which is also most logical if you look at the journey of evolution then there there is hope there is hope in creation because there is god because it's it's an expression of him so she says that's where hope comes from hope doesn't come from people it doesn't come from changing situation oh now there is oh now he can breathe better there is hope oh he is being seen by the expert doctors there is hope there is hope because there is the source of hope that light which can shine even in the densest darkness that's why in savitri in that subsequent canto he goes on to say night is not our beginning nor our end she is the dark mother in whose womb we have hid from too swift an awakening to world pain by light we come by light we live and to the light we go our journey runs on these two parallel tracks in palmist systems both west and east you speak about two lifelines this is the outer life line which describes events circumstances but the inner life line is the one which supports and sustains it so our outer life line if you see there will be events changing events circumstances some will seem like crisis some which seem like hopeless situation but the inner life line is the one which is important which needs to be strengthened and i take this example of when you know one goes to a pilgrimage all pilgrimages are uh, difficult shobindo had made pondicherry as uh, very easy pilgrimage you know imagine if he also put it in mountain somewhere you have to go you know uh, bare bodied through the snows my god <laughs> at some point he was given a place in algeria or maybe alaska and i used to wonder kya hota hamara you know what would have happened <laughs> so luckily he made it by the side of the sea but then you have to you know going to pilgrimage means some challenges have to be there so what what used to be the challenge simple challenges sometimes you don't get the train ticket the flight gets cancelled small little issues and now things have changed when you get down in chennai then you are swarmed by a host of entities everybody wants your luggage and even when you can carry it in hand no you can't do it there's a whole union <laughs> so you some people get very flustered i said it's okay it's indian socialism share no problem <laughs> so what if you can carry give give a little money what is there don't get into argument everybody needs to survive and then but after all the tiresome journey what is it that is the ultimate thing which washes away everything is when you go to the samadhi and bow down that's why in savitri we have these wonderful lines o king the events that meet thee on the road though they smite thy body and soul with joy and grief are not thy fate 
they touch thee a while and pass even death can cut not short thy spirit's walk the road the goal thou choosest are thy fate so this gives us a new meaning of concentration all the time meditation concentration you think you have to sit cross legged do a practice and then what happens when you come out of it you are the same old monkey once we had that uh, lovely um in in our ashram hall of arvani <laughs> somebody had come and he said you know shobinda has already done what he had to do i am carrying the work further taking you closer to the golden light i don't know fortunately or unfortunately they made me the a chair person was to so i knew that either i'll have it or this fellow will have it and he started giving a nice imagery now the golden light is coming now the golden light and it was so much golden <laughs> that everybody went in deep sleep and after a point i was like this is too much golden you know this is short circuiting the supramental if you do that you'll be blown up <laughs> shobindo is not not for no reason he is talking about purification <laughs> liberation you want to short circuit the supramental just by you know it's a good thing to imagine but it's <laughs> it's dangerous to confuse imagination <laughs> with the ultimate reality <laughs> imagination can open the path and if you persist in it maybe one day you will touch it it has its place not to deny but you know suddenly all golden and gone beyond sure bindus at one point i when they were in very deep apparently he said now be in this state for half an hour or something i just said i am sorry i have to make an announcement that uh, the dining room bell has rung and if you <laughs> if you those who want to miss the food can continue those who want to have the food can <laughs> it took 3 minutes <laughs> for everybody to wake up of course you do it with all the fanfare and as if you had gone into deep trance i'm sure people go into deep trance <laughs> but when they when they got up this fellow was so furious not with me he couldn't tell me but he told why did you make him the chair person i said even i am asking this question <laughs> but the sense is what is concentration concentration has nothing to do with a special process it's to be concentrated on the goal there is no other concentration one may be sitting in a posture lotus posture and concentrating on the mud the posture is very nice one is bolt straight as if god is going to measure sadhana by the height of the spine sometime people ask when you people concentrate why is it that you tend to droop <laughs> i said observe correctly the ego droops because we are drawing into the heart where the bloom is found somebody has actually asked me why i have seen people when they do meditation in the ashram kanta because heart center no so the whole consciousness comes there <laughs> so and fortunately we don't care about which way our spine is standing <laughs> we are <laughs> concerned about consciousness concentration is to be the goal the path mother gives this amazing definition of vigilance you know some people when they hear about vigilance they are all the time on tenter hooks they will start almost if given they would wear a whole hijab and everything i am being just vigilant no that is unconsciousness vigilance is to make the progress through every event and circumstance that's vigilance but we end up judging it good and bad success and failure tragedy and 
Uh, we don't say tragedy in comedy, but anyways. So we start <laughs> looking at that, and then we have all these philosophical conceptions. The only thing that matters, the only thing, is you know in that book illusions, it says that which direction one is moving. That's all that matters. And sh- thanks to Shubhendra, has given us that grand plan, without which the choice was between helplessly suffering and equally helplessly abandoning for some. You know, the problem with Maya is that where does Maya end? Who knows? So thanks to, I mean, immense gratitude that Shobindra has shown us that there is a goal, grand goal towards which creation moves. There is a purpose, there is a meaning in each stumble and fall. Everything is helping us to move toward that great grand disclosure, to be fired with that, you know. I remember and I give this example to people when they are doing MD or you know doing higher studies. So many things you have to leave behind because you have to be focused on studies. Do we complain? We don't because we know what's going to come at the end of the road. License to <laughs> do whatever you wish to. <laughs> but anyways, it's a beautiful thing. You know, you can become a healer officially if you are really tuned to her. It, it would be wonderful. So you go through, you miss out on many things. I missed out on my son's uh, childhood, so sometimes I would take him in the lap and keep my book here and I would also watch the Ramayana serial going on, multitasking. And one day you can't multitask all the time. Something happened and the fellow slipped through my lap and fell on the ground and I said, oh my God. (laughs) I said, okay, now you'll be there. (laughs) You miss out on things, it's okay. But don't miss out on the goal. If one misses out on the goal, one has lost. Otherwise, even in the densest darkness, he is there. She is carrying us to remember this. That's all that is required. So conflict, when we ignore it, there are subtler ways that reminds us. But we forget. So crisis comes, like the story of Narada who asked Krishna, tell me about Maya. So Krishna says, I don't talk. There are other people for lecturing around. <laughs> I, uh, I have my own way of, uh, he gave one lecture, okay. So he says, I have my way of, you know, revealing things. Anyways, we'll talk about Maya later. Narada, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? So Narada goes and there he meets a damsel and you know he goes to home and she says why don't you rest why don't you have some water how about food and the father says you are you are the best you are the best always in the beginning you are the best and you know <laughs> and then he gets married he has children and so on and so forth till one day in one night everything vanishes there is a fire there is a great tragedy and that night Narada like all of us many of us Hopefully not even many of us. He says, you cruel monster. And then he's hearing on the other side voices, your karma, your karma. On the other side, cruel monster. So he's caught between that, roasted without the fire, inwardly. And then he hears a little voice inside, Narad, I am thirsty. Will you get me that water? went this water of bhakti, this water of aspiration, this water of purification, which we are meant to carry, life can be so beautiful to walk with the divine all the time. What would one need? It's a one-step solution, like we have one-step shop. 
So in one step solution, this is it, make God your friend. This is another unique thing about Sri Aurobindo and Sri Krishna. He is not sitting out there judging us from the, you know, ramparts of heaven, watching down, looking down upon us, condemning us and rewarding us. Thankfully, Krishna and Sri Aurobindo came so close to us. They play with us. They walk with us. They sleep with us. They wake up with us. Just to live with this idea. What could be terrifying ever? What could ever? Anything that comes is a mask, an appearance. And if he is taking us through Kurukshetra, it's because that is the path of the glory. We have not heeded. So between crisis and change, there is consciousness. Growth of consciousness. So we must remember what is the one step solution. Whatever is our consciousness, that's how we will understand the world. Without change of consciousness, any amount of reading, writing doesn't help. It, it, it's like on the stone we are digging, something will happen, no doubt, but it's the change of consciousness. Yoga is about change of consciousness. Yoga brings change of consciousness. All else we may debate, discuss, but at the end we remain the same. Why? Because consciousness, if it doesn't change, we'll understand the world in the same ways to which we are habituated. Once mother gave a very simple, beautiful thing, she spoke about love. She said, you know what, if you have the consciousness of an animal, your love is like an animal. She was very kind, didn't say if your consciousness is like an asura and rakshasa, your love is like an asura. If your consciousness is like a human being, your love is like a human being. And if your consciousness is like a god, your love is like a god. So what is the common thing? Change of consciousness. Between crisis and change, consciousness must change. To joyously embrace, accept, participate, collaborate in the change. And then we will see the change with new eyes and the crisis with new eyes. We'll see that through all this darkness that came momentarily, through all this gloom, we will say with Savitri, he saw in destruction, creation's hasty pace and death as a cellar in the house of life and hell as a shortcut to heaven's gates. We don't need to take the shortcut. The shortest cut is of course the divine. His arms and embrace. Let me just close with these lines from Savitri. Okay, so I mean, there are several passages here. Shobinda describes the when we go through crisis, what is the reason? And beautifully, all that transpires on earth and all beyond. Savitri, page 52. Those who may like to read later on. All that transpires on earth and all beyond are parts of an illimitable plan the one keeps in his heart and knows alone. If you want to know the plan, join with the one. If you love him, he will disclose everything, including the future secrets. If you meet him as a scholar, then he will tell you all the theories and systems and philosophies. So, he keeps in his heart. Our outward happenings have their seed within and even this random fate that imitates chance, this mass of unintelligible results 
are the dumb graph of truths that work unseen the laws of the unknown create the known the events that shape the appearance of our lives are a cipher of subliminal quiverings so many little desires ambitions hopes all these subliminal quiverings they go unnoticed they are caught by messrs chitragupta and company projected onto the screen look here like that movie bedazzled so they are cipher of subliminal quiverings which really we surprise or vaguely feel are an outcome of suppressed realities that hardly rise into material day they are born from the spirit's son of hidden powers digging a tunnel through emergency shortcut tunnel through emergency we are refusing to move too happy in our comfort zone stifling stifling one day the spirit son of hidden powers the son of beauty the son of light the son of truth it just pushes through and we are like the butterfly moving in the skies but who shall pierce into the cryptic gulf and learn what deep necessity of the soul determined casual deed and consequence and then he gives us the clue absorbed in a routine of daily acts our eyes are fixed on an external scene we hear the crash of the wheels of circumstance and wonder at the hidden cause of things yet a foreseeing knowledge might be ours if we could take our spirit stand within if we could hear the muffled demon's voice so instead of being concentrated on the ex- external let us be concentrated on the eternal thank you